0: Our scripture reading this morning is from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I had many more verses listed there, uh, verses 35 through 58. We're not going to read all of that, but it would be helpful for you to have your Bibles open so that you can see that. Also, I'm not gonna read Luke 24, but I'm gonna refer to it in a little bit, so it would be helpful for you to put your finger in that page as well, page 1644, Luke 24. So I want to read from 1 Corinthians 15, beginning at verse 20. This is the big chapter uh, and the big section of the New Testament that deals with the resurrection, where there's been lots of discussion about the resurrection and its veracity. And then verse 20, we read this. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die so in Christ will all be made alive. But each in his own turn Christ the first fruits and then when he comes those who belong to him. God's word from 1 Corinthians 15 and then just if you flip over to Philippians chapter 3 Allow me just to read these two verses, chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they'll be like his glorious body. The word of the Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ, a couple of weeks ago, I was involved in and led a funeral at the invitation of a family at Calvary Christian Reformed Church in Flamborough, the congregation that I left 14 years ago. Somehow death never, just never takes a vacation like many of us do. The last enemy in this life comes when it wills. And so on a warm Saturday morning, an extended family gathered at Mount Zion Cemetery in Flamborough to bid their final farewell to their loved one. Some of you were at a graveside this summer as well. Others of you well remember Why, it's tough to be there, and it's tough to walk away. Grief is evident, and understandably so. Yet on that warm Saturday morning in Flamborough in the face of death, we confessed something quite stunning, really. I believe in the resurrection of the body. In other words, the very body that was being buried that day will be raised from the dead. As the Apostle Paul testifies, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. And because Christ rose from the dead, says the Bible, therefore we will be resurrected. As a matter of fact, Jesus' resurrection is a guarantee of our own bodily resurrection now to many people this all sounds rather strange the fact that the Apostles taught about Jesus resurrection was already considered foolishness to add to the fact that because Jesus rose from the dead therefore all believers will get a new body is really too much yet the Bible clearly teaches that there is good news for the body As the Apostle writes in Philippians 3, we just read it, we eagerly await a Savior from heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will do what? Transform our lowly bodies so that they'll be like his glorious body. Imagine that. We as believers plan on getting a new body, a far better one than we have now. No need for Paralympics on the new earth. It's a stunning confession. Jesus is going to take our sin-filled, lowly bodies, our out of shape or in shape bodies, as the case may be, our acne-scarred bodies, our hearing or sight-impaired bodies, our disabled, malformed, limited in some way bodies, and transform them into something glorious. As one writer put it, quote, if you are sick, you'll be radiantly healthy. If you are handicapped or disabled, you will be excitedly whole. If you are clumsy, you'll be remarkably agile. If you are feeble, you'll be surprisingly strong. If you are disfigured, you will be blissfully beautiful. And if you are aged, you will be vibrantly young. That's what we confess in the Apostles' Creed when we say, I believe the resurrection of the body. And ours will not just be some spiritual rising from the dead or some mere soul rising. It's not going to be merely a resuscitation of our corpse like what happened to Lazarus or the widow of Nain's son or Jairus' daughter. These folks were resuscitated. They came back to life, but then they died later again. No, when we confess we believe the resurrection of the body, we believe that there will be a physical, glorified coming to life again of the body, our body, on the day of Jesus' return. Now this was totally strange and out in left field to the Greeks of Paul's day. And the reason they couldn't connect with such a message was because for many pagan or Greek pagans, the body was merely seen as a prison house of the soul, and, ha, huh, death meant deliverance from the prison house. Francis of Assisi also held this old view of the body, calling it my brother donkey. And when Francis died, he said, I'm glad to put off this mantle of sin. He considered the physical part of man only as a necessary evil, and death was a wonderful escape from that which had encased his person in this life. But the Bible does not view the body as the prison house of the soul or even as a necessary evil. On the contrary, the Bible is very pro-body. Psalm 139 pictures the Lord is knitting us together in our mother's womb. We are God's workmanship, God created us. He breathed into us the breath of life, and he said, it's excellent. If you want to know how pro-body the Bible is, read passages or books like Song of Solomon celebrating the body and physical love, or 1 Corinthians 15 which talks about the resurrection of the body. Rather than being something evil and vile, the Bible views the body in 1 Corinthians 6 as the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, it would appear to be the desire of the Lord to knit a new body for everyone, to put every one of his children into a flawless body, and the Catechism has picked up on that. Look what it teaches concerning the resurrection. How does it comfort you? Always concerned about the comfort of God's people. Not only will my soul be taken immediately after this life to Christ's head, but also my very flesh, my very flesh, will be raised by the power of Christ, reunited with my soul and made like Christ's glorious body. That is so cool. Jesus didn't only come to save souls. Jesus came to redeem the whole of us, even our flesh. So while some may not care very much what happens to them when they die, the Bible does, in the sense that it tells us God isn't finished with us yet. For one day, that is the day on which Jesus returns in all his glory, the resurrection will take place. But someone may ask, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 35, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? These are the questions the apostle asked anticipating what would be on people's minds as he discussed the whole matter of the resurrection in 1 Corinthians 15. Tough questions to answer, yet, you know, we have some clues from when Jesus rose from the dead and appeared to his disciples. Here comes Luke 24, page 1,644 in your New Testament. Written by Luke, the gospel, Luke was a medical doctor, as you may or may not know, and as a medical doctor, he must have looked with his medical eyes and mind to see what kind of a body Jesus had once he appeared after the resurrection. Prior to his death, the Bible makes clear that Jesus was a flesh and blood person, human in every way, except that he did not sin. After the resurrection, after the grave was emptied, there was something different about Jesus. Because, as recorded in Luke 24, he could now suddenly appear in the room where the disciples were staying, in spite of the fact that all the windows and the doors were closed and locked. Jesus now apparently had the ability to simply be where he wanted to be, and so he simply appeared. But the point that Luke is making in Luke 24, verse 42, is not that Jesus now is so different, but that he's significantly the same as before and so after his resurrection is interesting that Jesus deliberately conducted himself in such a way that he could prove to those in the room that he was for real not some ghost not some apparition not some hologram and so Luke 24 records that Jesus did two experiments first he invited his disciples to touch him look at my hands look at my feet it is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost doesn't have flesh and bones as you see I have. If they were to punch Jesus at that particular moment, he probably would have fallen over. He was flesh and bones, <clears throat> albeit glorified. And then while they were questioning what was happening, Jesus asked them for something to eat. Verse twenty forty two records, They gave him a piece of broiled fish. He took it and ate it in their presence. That's a little detail. But that little detail made a great huge announcement to the disciples and to us that Jesus' body was to a significant degree similar to the bodies that you and I have. This was the clincher. Had Jesus been a ghost and he would have taken that fish, you would have seen it go all the way down. You would have seen it in him because it would have been for real and he wouldn't be for real. But he was for real, physical, solid. Not a ghost. There's no question that after Jesus' body, after the resurrection, his body was different than before his death. The latter body, as the disciples experienced, it had been touched by the almighty, recreative power of the living God. It had been glorified. Now Jesus, says 1 Corinthians 15, is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. In other words, as we read in Philippians 3, my flesh will be like Christ's glorious body, Job. In my flesh, I will see God. In my flesh. It's an amazing truth. The fact that you and I will spend eternity not just floating around somewhere in the wild blue yonder or sitting on the edge of clouds or whatever, but in an actual body, a glorified, flawless, sinless, and perfect body on a physical earth is of incredible comfort to the believer and it makes the Christian faith that much more tangible. Not only that, but it also tells us that God values our body even enough to fully restore it. We're not just going to be discarded as some old dish rag thrown into the garbage. Our body is part and parcel of the recreation that, that Jesus is carrying out as all things are made new. Christianity is not merely involved with some physical spirit world, the great by and by. But Christianity is a very earthy, real, and physical faith. I believe the resurrection of the body, it all has very practical implications. First, since our bodies are of value to the Lord, our bodies ought to be cared for as such. As a temple of the Holy Spirit, as God's house in which he delights to dwell. And so we're called upon very practically speaking to not misuse our bodies in any way shape or form body and soul we belong to our faithful savior secondly if we know that we belong to him and if we know and understand that one day our bodies will be raised gloriously like jesus glorious bodies then not only are we to be free from abusing them, but we also ought to be free from clinging to them. That's hard, of course, because generally speaking, we love life. We don't want to die. But sometimes there seems to be an incredible desperation on people's part to hang on to their bodies no matter what. All sorts of measures are taken to keep young and not grow old. Many others facing death will resort to all sorts of desperate measures, as one person put it, from high-risk surgeries to highly experimental and untested drugs in a bar, no-expense campaign to keep their bodies alive. The the gospel's approach, the Bible's approach, is never one of, I'm going to beat this illness at all costs. Because to die is gain. Just around the corner, so to speak, is a brand new, glorious body waiting us, our own, transformed. That doesn't mean that medical technology ought not to be used, of course not. Medical technology has been given to us as a gift from God's hand, and he expects us to use it, but all things in moderation. An absolute clinging to life at all costs is a denial of the fact that there is more to life than what we see now. Death is not the end, biblically speaking. It may seem like it is for us here, but that's not the teaching of God's word. For the believer, death marks a new step in life. As one person put it, death is, quote, slipping on the new body the one we could only dream about as we paged through the ma- fashion magazines or watched gymnasts at play." Unquote. Actually, I got news for you. The body that we're going to get is even better than the bodies that the fashion models have or the athlete has because even their bodies are flawed and sin-filled. I believe the resurrection of the body A new body awaits us. The prototype is the one in which Jesus is living. What a comfort. Amen.